This podcast is made in partnership between China Team and Asia Biz Stories. Today's keynote speaker has given permission for the slides to be distributed. If you would like a copy of this or any others that we have permission to distribute, please send an email to chinawebinar at asiabizstories.com or contact us at China Team on LinkedIn. Johann Schulz is a managing director and member of the board at China Networks Baden-Württemberg. He has been supporting institutions and companies with professionals training for 16 years. Schulz Professional Training, which specializes in the development and implementation of qualification measures in China as well as for Chinese companies in Germany. In this podcast, a recording of the webinar, Future Leaders in Sino-European Enterprises, his role is moderator. The keynote is delivered by Chiang Rong, who has dedicated himself to the Chinese city of Foshan and German cooperation for more than 10 years. Chiang represents the sponsor, Foshan Sino-German Industrial Service Zone. He has helped many companies from Germany to invest in Foshan and promotes the benefits of setting up in Foshan. The industrial service zone is also open to companies to set up from all parts of the world. The expert panellists joining Johan and Chiang are Stefan Sack, General Manager, Zobel China, Director APAC Zobel Group. Zobel is a manufacturing company with 2,000 employees located in Shenzhen. After completing his PhD, Stefan has lived and worked in manufacturing in China since 2005. His various roles have been with German and Italian companies in Shanghai and Shenzhen. He has also served as Vice President and Chairman of the European Union Chamber of Commerce in Shanghai, 2013-2015. Wei Zhang is the founder of Beijing For You International Management Consulting, Company Limited. China, which provides training, coaching and blended learning solutions to local and international clients in China. She has worked with many German companies in China, helping them to identify and develop talent. Wei Jiang uses her unique insights and valuable experience to combat the rapid changes still taking place in China. Xiao Qiu is the co-founder and managing partner of JP Contagi, Asia an executive search firm with offices in Germany, Switzerland and China. As a professional recruitment consultant and cultural hybrid, he has been supporting European and Chinese companies for more than 15 years. Xiao Qiu's family are originally from Zhejiang province, with Xiao being born in Germany and has been based in Asia since 2004. The combined team's wide and varied experience allowed them to tackle the following questions. What is the status quo of people management in China? What are the current challenges and how does this affect the leadership management? How to identify future leaders? How to qualify future leaders? So now, without further delay, let's begin. If you'd like to introduce the rest of the webinar, Johan, please feel free. Yeah, so thank you very much, uh, Neville, and good morning or good afternoon 
to all the participants. Um, yeah, it's my pleasure hosting this um, webinar today on a, um, let's say, quite important topic on future leaders in European, um, Sino-European um, enterprises. Um, as Neville said, I've been in this uh, area of training and uh, professional um, professional training and further development for quite a lot of years. And um, the future leaders were always a topic. So we always talked about future leaders. Um, but uh, I think at the moment we have quite um, some interesting current challenges, uh, which we would like to uh, focus on during the next 90 minutes. And I'm also quite curious about your question. Uh, during the uh, discussion or later on in person. Um, so the China Network Baden-Württemberg, uh, for your information, is a, a business platform, a business community for German-Chinese uh, relations, connections, etc. I don't want to go too much into it. If you Google for it, I think you will find it. And... Um, before introducing the, the rest of the experts, I would like to start with Mr. Uh, Jiang Rong. Um, the organization of Mr. Rong was just uh, introduced by Neville. He is the chief representative of the city of Foshan in Germany. He's also the deputy secretary general of the Sino-German Industrial City Alliance and a lot of other positions he's holding. And um, I think um, I'm handing over to Jiang now to have um, uh, our introduction with the keynote speak. So please, Jiang Rong. Thank you very much, Johan. So my name is Jiang Rong. In Chinese, uh, they call me Jiang. And uh, I hope that after our presentation and recognition to each other, you can get familiar with me and you can call me also very simply Chang. So today I would like to take the time to introduce our city, Foshan, and North region in the near, so that you know something about the South China, the economic situation, and the political support. Uh, can you see my presentation at the moment? Impressions? Yes. Can you all see that? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, uh, I just want to give you some idea about uh, Fosan. I know you can understand Fosan as industry center in South China and also the culture about Fosan. Because without the light, you only make money and do business. You have no friends there. This is very boring. So, let's see what Fosan can provide. Doesn't move. Okay, so um, in China, everybody knows Fosan uh, somehow better than in Germany or in Europe or the rest of the world. But in the United States, uh, the people get uh, very familiar with Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee is the Kung Fu master. He is likely as a uh, fought with different kind of professionals and also amateurs, and he had never failed to lose even one fight. Uh, but the, the master of Bruce Lee, that's Mr. Ye Wen in the middle, in China, everybody knows him, the monkey Ye, they call that, because Mr. Ye has uh, developed another kind of fighting skill for even very weak people, like you know, women and also child, children. Um, 
So the, the master of Bruce Lee is uh, Mr. Ye Wen, and uh, before that, there was, uh, there was even another Chinese for uh, some Kung Fu fighter master, which is called Huang Fei Hong. Uh, in West, in out, out of China, Huang Fei Hong is not so familiar, but uh, he's, uh, he's a combination of Kung Fu fighter, and also he's very good in the Chinese traditional medicine. Uh, so these three representatives of our city, uh, inside China and outside China, can show the character for some people and our civilization. Currently, when we look into the Chinese map, um, our right side button, you see that the Chinese uh, territorium uh, is very large with 9.6 million uh, square kilometers. And uh, the red spot here and the right button place in China, that is the Guangdong province. The Guangdong province is the economical strongest province in China. Uh, which makes about over 1 trillion, uh, 1,000 billion US dollar GDP. Uh, for China, that means about one-ninth of the GDP comes from Guangdong province. And China has about only, that's about almost 30 provinces like uh, the administration units. And the Guangdong province has already provided the most GDP strength and also the taxation income. In Guangdong province, there's also the uh, Shenzhen city. Shenzhen city doesn't belong to Guangdong province. So Shenzhen and Guangdong province both deliver a lot of taxation income for the central government in China. If uh, we put, we, we, if we can take a side into the incoming situation in China, by the 30 provinces, there are only six who can make a positive effort for central China. So two of them are already here. Guangdong and Shenzhen. Uh, the other 24 provinces are making negative efforts and they get money from central China. That means they somehow indirectly get money from Guangdong province and also Shenzhen. So, has decided to make a new engine for Chinese economic development in the next decade. So that is the Great Bay Area. Great Bay Area in Chinese uh, language means some people call it Dawan district. The Great Bay Area has a, a, a team of nine Chinese cities in the Guangdong province, plus Hong Kong and Macau. So altogether 11 cities. These 11 cities makes together another 1,000 billion US dollars. So that means these 11 cities is the same strong as the Guangdong province also produce one-ninth of the GDP for China. How does it come? The Guangdong province has 21 cities in the province, but the other uh, 12 don't make so much achievement like the other, like these nine cities. The 11 cities are built in three clusters. So Shenzhen, Guang, Shenzhen, Dongguan, Huizhou, they built the cluster for innovation and also tech, no, no, uh, modern technology. So you can find Tencent here and also the other innovation cities, in, uh, innovating companies in this city. Uh, we call that Silicon Valley or we call that Innovation Valley in China, like the Silicon Valley in the United States. 
Because this cluster is very close to Hong Kong, so the financial support from Hong Kong is there. Uh, Besides that, we have also in Shenzhen uh, stake uh, stock exchange market. So those two plus together is the biggest in China, and they give a financial support for the innovations in China. So their work is uh, to make innovation and uh, work as pioneer in the Chinese technology. Uh, Huawei is, of course, also there. I forgot to tell you. The second uh, cluster is Foshan, uh, Guangzhou, and Zhaoqing. Foshan, Guangzhou, and Zhaoqing has the work, has the, has the assignment to build up the modernist production base in China. Uh, Guangzhou is the province uh, capital, so from here we have a very uh, convenience, uh, very huge convenience with uh, in the communication with the governors and also his uh, team. So Guangzhou is the capital, and uh, he support Foshan to uh, build up this modern production uh, facilities, like for uh, Volkswagen, because uh, these kind of huge companies they need a lot of uh, immobilium uh, or or land to to make their production. In Guangzhou, it is not possible to have this large land. Shenzhen, even less the possibilities. So Foshan has an advantage because Foshan has uh, 4,000 square kilometers, so there are still enough room to make, uh, make this kind of uh, uh, plans uh, to realize that. So Guangzhou, Foshan, this is the production in China in the future, in the Great Bay Area. And the third cluster is uh, Zhongshan, Jiangmen, uh, Zhuhai, and they build together the cluster with Macau together. And here is a totally different imagination about uh, you know, the, the, the assignment because they just want to represent the one land, two systems can work the group together because Macau has gambling, has also other kind of capitalism uh, entertainment possibilities. So this can be combined with the Chinese coast best environment in the in the climate uh, protecting and also the the nature uh, attractions so that's the point that we want to show that not only the industry or finance are interesting in south china but also the life in china is enjoyable so we see that also uh, many north chinese from the heilongjiang the other north province they are the mainstream moving from their hometown to Guangdong province in the past 10 years, Foshan, for instance, has increased its citizens from 5 million to 9 million citizens. So that's the situation about uh, uh, the Great Bay Area. Now we have just now talked about the Great Bay Area, so we can take a close look to the Foshan location, how close it is to Hong Kong. Now from Foshan to Shenzhen, we need only 55 minutes by car, so that means Foshan and Shenzhen, this innovation center, is joined together. So we have a lot of colleagues going to Shenzhen, and they come to us. We make the promotion together. And uh, the Shenzhen people, they like the immobilian friendly price in, in Bosan, and they can make a much, much better life here. This is all the same case for Hong Kong. The Hong Kong Chinese are facing almost the same high pressure from the immobilian market, like in Shenzhen. So in the old years, when they require in Hong Kong, they can still come to Bosan 
and Hanoi was nice life. So we call that Fosan is somehow a backyard for Hong Kong citizens. Um, from Fosan to Hong Kong, if you take the car on your own, then it takes about 90 minutes. So, and we have also the high-speed train now already combined, the Fosan, Guangzhou, and Hong Kong. This is the main street from um, Fosan to Hong Kong. On the other side, uh, Fosan has, uh, if he is not mentioned, we have a small harbor. From the harbor, you have also the, the ships going back to Hong Kong. So you have many, many combinations. Uh, you can also take the uh, you can take the plane from Guangzhou to Hong Kong, 30 minutes. This is actually not necessary. But in the Great Bay Area, I could notice that there are six main airports in China. The Shenzhen, Guangzhou, they are both already the international, plus Hong Kong, of course. And we have also in Fosan a new airport, which will be finished in 2025. This can have a capacity of 60 million passengers per year, which is about 75% of the capacity of the Guangzhou Baiyun airport. So the companies in Fosan are very interesting because the main uh, group of the companies in Fosan are not state-owned enterprises. This uh, we want to emphasize always because Fosan is a free market uh, economy situation. We have two um, private companies which are already listed in the 500 biggest companies in the world. So that means that is the Media Company and also the Country Garden. The Media has taken over 95% of the Kuka. Uh, I think this, this the case uh, happened in the year 2016, which makes a huge attraction. The KUKA uh, is now already uh, coming up from the pandemic um, disturbance, and uh, we see that the, the share has already increased from 30 to 70 at the moment. So uh, they are on the best way upwards. Media, of course, is the star in China, which is already the number one in China, better than three and also higher Glance or the other ones. Um, apart from that, we have uh, many, many foreign companies, just like uh, maybe has mentioned in the beginning, we are not only open for German companies, but also for a lot of uh, other companies like from Japan. Uh, this is also very strong cooperator for us, and also from South Korea, uh, also from the United States. So uh, I have to the understanding that no matter what happens in the political field, uh, who like somebody or who don't like somebody, but in our city, for some, we like all the entrepreneurs, and we help them to make money here, uh, to go to the China. Uh, from here is the safe, uh, the most safe uh, basis. In education, we have also here the, the FMU. I think uh, maybe Yuhan knows that, the slime buys. Uh, they are also helping <clears throat> The local, uh, the local employees to develop their skills according to the German uh, model. And uh, because our, our, our topic today is about uh, the support of the leaders and the entrepreneurs in, in Fosan, so I have simply uh, made this tabular, uh, this, this, uh, this uh, slide to show you that what can happen in Fosan if somebody works in our region. We call that a flexible um, short measurement. So flexible, it means 
uh, it is flexible. We, we don't need to see that if you have to open the companies in our processing directly, you can open that like uh, Stefan also in Dongguan, but if you have 30 days where you work in our Fosan area, uh, this also already, this has already fulfilled the precondition for applying application for this uh, um, subsidy. Uh, the soft, that means we do not um, want to use it only for industry, we can also use it for the education or also other kind of training fields. Uh, example for that is that uh, in the past we have returned the incoming tax directly to the people and that is not very good because the central government said um, this is against the Chinese law generally so should not do that anymore. Uh, so that, um, according from this experience, we have developed a new kind of uh, support that is, means we give the substory directly, the supplement. If, for instance, you have uh, uh, annual salary about uh, in, altogether about 100,000 RMB, then we can give you 15% directly, so you increase your annual income to 115,000 RMB on this space, you're going to pay your tax. Uh, for the better ones, from 100 to 200,000, uh, that's the percentage uh, higher from 15, uh, raised up to 20%. Over 200,000 is 25%. And here by the 25 is the highest percentage. So if you have 200, uh, 2 million RMB, you will have 3 million RMB, that the fact is the same. You have half, half million RMB at the final. Uh, what I did not mention here is that this application can be raised twice per year. So that means finally you can have by the best situation uh, over uh, if you have 200, uh, 2 million RMB for instance, you have finally uh, 1 million, that's twice half million. So you have 3 million RMB as total income. So that's uh, what we do from the 60%. Um, of course, there are regions like Shenzhen, they are much richer than our city for some, uh, they did much higher. So I, I do not want to make a competition to them because even you have a much higher um, supporting from the Shenzhen uh, government, but the living standard there in Shenzhen is much, much higher than for some. So we want to give our young leaders financial support and a good industry area and finally uh, also in the in the free time when they on the weekend uh, they should have a uh, good feeling about uh, the Chinese culture the Linnan culture actually the Foshan Linnan culture Linnan in South China culture was founded uh, was discovered by the first uh, uh, Qin Chamber uh, the Qin uh, dynasty uh, 2000 years ago uh, it was different to like the Central Chinese culture in Yellow River region. The people here is uh, very um, active. So we have uh, the dragon boat, we have the lion dancing, we have also this kung fu style. Even the people are not so big and strong like the North Chinese. Um, but according to the culture uh, integration, we have attracted a lot of uh, companies to Bosan. Especially, I should mention one point is the automation, the robotic. Uh, since we have already the KUKA, but KUKA is not the only one. We have also already the Yastawa from, Germ uh, from Japan. We have also the Banak 
In China, we have the Chinese champion leader, champion group, for instance, the Hans Robot. The Hans Robot came from Shenzhen. And we have newly also the iStar from Shanghai. When we count the robot production in China, 80% of them are coming from WhatsApp. That's the figure I get newly. And the Chinese robotic market is the biggest in, in the world. So we can say that um, the Fosan robotic, the robotus utility is already the largest and the largest market in the whole world. And uh, uh, the team of Bow always said uh, that the German fish, uh, the, the ping pong star always come to us. So he likes also our culture. We like also the German culture. Uh, on 15th October in Poissan, we're going to hold a culture week, international culture week for our friends. You can also come and enter that. You can have one week time to have cheap touring in Poissan and also eat German uh, foods and also drink German beers and also, of course, 90% are provided from the Bosan Sundo uh, kitchen. Everybody knows that uh, the international UNESCO has defined only two or two cities in China, that is the Chengdu and also the Sundo as the, as the most uh, delicious uh, food provider in China. So I want to give you this impression finally, and you can see in our city, you can have a good combination of good quality, life, and a good industry. So thank you very much for our attention. Good. Thank you very much, uh, Zhang Rong. Thank you very much for this um, interesting introduction to Foshan. So um, I assume Bruce Lee and the other two in your uh, first slide, maybe there were some of the old leaders, but today we are focusing, uh, from Foshan, today we are focusing on future leaders. Um, you presented Foshan as the best gateway and starting point for small and medium enterprises um, for the vibrant Chinese uh, market with a very uh, livable environment. So you gave some examples. But maybe in, a, in, in some, uh, as a resume, in some short words, um, is it mainly the real estate, uh, are those mainly the real estate prices or what exactly does this mean for future leaders and their companies? So how do they profit from it? Okay, so um, it is not 100% just because of the real estate price in China. Uh, the Fosan has a very friendly price level. Actually, for most Chinese people, the most important thing that they want in their life is to have a house. The house is, is, the, is the symbol of your quality in your life. If you don't have a house, you cannot marry, you, you, are, you are very, you, have, you even don't have enough meaning for the society. So that's it, very extreme in China. Uh, but Fosan doesn't do that. According to, uh, we want to produce another uh, kind of tendency against the Chinese uh, real estate development. We, we know that, that Mr. Xu Jiaying has uh, just given up his CEO situation. Uh, we know him very well because he's in the neighbor city in Guangzhou. But the real estate is not uh, something very good for the economy. So Foshan government in the past 20 years has all, always said, we don't want to make a business from the real estate. We want to keep the, the price lower so that the people can come to Fosan and 
have much, much more purchase power from their salaries. So that's the, of course, the main work we, we, need, to, we need to do. On the other side, um, if the real estate price goes up, then the industry land will also follow. So that's uh, something that's poisonous for the industry development. At the moment, we, we are having a lot of inquiries from Shenzhen companies because they cannot get land in Shenzhen. How can you build up uh, very large factories in 10 um, floors? Because the, the machineries are too heavy, so this is uh, the photostatic of the building. This is a big question. But when they come to Fosan, of course, we help them. Uh, we help them to have very low price in the, in the industry land. If they just want to try to make a subsidiary, we give also a free office to them. So they can try that on the and uh, without any risk. If they don't like us, okay, they can go away, but they like the culture, they can take it away. There's also some uh, advertisement for us. So that's the way we are doing uh, our supporting to the other uh, industries. I was the representative of the city Chongqing and also Wuhan. Chongqing is, uh, of course, the principal, but it's already a province, and Wuhan is the province capital. In these kind of big cities, they give a lot of words to support, but in the act, they cannot do anything much more. So finally, uh, for 10 years, uh, when we meet this new industry zone uh, set up by America and also the Wenjiabao, we have not got the feeling that here we could do much better than Chongqing and Wuhan. But in the end, after 10 years, we can say that they are much better uh, because the support measurements are much more realistic than those ones who just give you kind of some uh, warm sayings. So you, you, are, you are under the support of the Chinese Communist Party, but finally you, you don't have anything economically in hand. So I just mentioned that we have now so many uh, robotic companies coming to us. So next uh, um, emphasize point, the cell concentration focusing is that we're going to make the digitalization and we're working on that to uh, attracting the Shenzhen companies and also the other places. So I don't want to go too much long. Anyway, here okay. is something unique. Yeah. Okay. Um, thank you very much, Chang. Um, I think we, we, we will hear more from it uh, during the conversation. So it's time for me now to introduce the other experts uh, and then open the discussion on um, also other different important aspects on uh, future leaders in uh, European, uh, Sino-European companies. So um, first of all, I would like to welcome Ms. Wei Chang. Ms. Wei Chang is the founder of Beijing for You International Management Consulting Corporation, or, or Limited, uh, which provides training, coaching, blended learning solution to local and international clients in China. Um, she has worked with many German and European companies in China, um, helping them to identify and develop their talents. Um, she's dialed in from Beijing. Um, she also did her master in Ireland, so she, she knows Europe quite well, I would say. So I'm quite curious what, uh, about her aspects on talent development, etc. later on. The second expert uh, I would like to introduce is Xiao Chu. Xiao Chu is 
dialing in from Shanghai. He's the co-founder and managing partner of JP Kentucky Asia, which is an executive search firm with offices in Germany, Switzerland, and China. He's a, a professional recruitment consultant uh, for more than 15 years now and uh, supporting also European companies uh, finding the talents. And in his introduction, he also called himself a cultural hybrid. I think you uh, maybe can um, uh, yeah, tell us later. So what, it, what does this really mean? I think it's quite important in this topic here. So last but not least, um, the, we have Dr. Stefan Sack. So um, Stefan is dialing in from Shenzhen. So we actually have all the important areas from, from, from China here with uh, some feedbacks. So he's currently the general manager of a manufacturing company with uh, around 2,000 employees in Shenzhen. Uh, after his PhD, he started with uh, one of the big consulting companies and since 2005, so quite a long time, Stefan has been in China in various roles for German and Italian companies. So he's now working for an Italian company with a German name, so it's called Topole. And um, also during his time, he was chairman of the European Union Chamber of Commerce in Shanghai, which also uh, I think is um, where we got a, quite an important know-how on, on the topic we're discussing today. Having said in the beginning, um, more or less like um, since I'm in, in this kind of area, I always talk about future leaders. But um, I think today we should uh, focus a little bit more on what is the status quo of people management in China and what are the current challenges and how do they affect the leadership management in China. We are not only talking about the pandemic and the closing borders and the limited uh, opportunities to travel. There are also some changes in law and taxes like the new or fairly new individual income taxes also for expats in China. But we also have some still existing and always uh, new trends like uh, the changing expectations of young talents, but also uh, having different age structures now, which uh, need to be covered uh, by the companies and need to see how, how to work together with them. The China Network Baden-Württemberg, the CNBW, just uh, currently did a survey within companies in Baden-Württemberg and Germany. I will quote uh, a key finding now and I will quote a, uh, another key finding later which I, because I believe those all, this is also giving um, some interesting information of what companies in Germany think uh, what is uh, a challenge for them in, in, in China. So one of the biggest challenges for them in China, what they uh, named us, um, are the, um, is the development of prices and salaries. So we just had this topic, critical uh, for success is the recruitment of suitable staff and the establishment of a company and leadership culture still in the cultural cooperation between China and Germany. Okay, so Stefan, I would like to start with you. You have been in China for quite a lot, uh, lot of time, so for more than 15 years. So as a representative of a European SME, so which 
So how is the situation for you? So what is the most important and how did this change within the last 15 years? Yeah, thanks Jochen uh, for the kind introduction and welcome everybody this morning or this afternoon in Germany or, or, or China. Actually, first correction, I'm not dialing in from Shenzhen, I'm actually dialing in from Huiyang, which is a little bit north of Shenzhen where I want to speak the weekend in the, in the hot spring, but the background here is Shenzhen. And um, Shenzhen is certainly a city, and uh, Mr. Wong has already said, that is developing together with the whole Greater Bay Area very, very fast and has a lot of opportunities. And this is also where I started in 2005. Then, after three years, I went to Shanghai, and since 2017, I am back to, to Shenzhen. If I look back into these uh, 16 years, I think a lot of things have changed. And... Um, while in 2005, uh, in my generation, I'm now 53 years old, I think we are making up a little bit for the gap of uh, the China-grown leadership, uh, certainly due to, the, due to the Cultural Revolution, which had a kink in the development of China management, for sure, um, as well as the opening um, after 78, which had a large inflow of foreign companies here. So I think the first generation and even the second generation of, uh, of Chinese leaders were imported. At that time, um, knowledge of the Chinese language, even knowledge of the Chinese culture, was probably not very common for, for the first generation, except a few enthusiasts who have always studied Chinese. This has changed totally. Uh, when, when during my time in, uh, in Shanghai, I was uh, also part of an expert um, uh, advisory team for for um, uh, cooperation between Fudan University and uh, a lot of uh, universities in Germany. And then the young students, they said, what do I need to do to make a successful career in China? And then my first question was, as a, as a, as a German in most cases, this question was asked. And then my answer was, do you speak Chinese? And if they said no, then I said, well, then that might be your first very important step. Many of these people were really, uh, like myself, uh, thrilled by the opportunities in China and also by the speed that everything is developing here. But this has certainly changed. I think in 2005, with some experience in Europe, you could jump into a leadership role without knowing much uh, um, about China. Let me give you a very, what I find, embarrassing example of myself. I came to Shenzhen for my first trip and went to Hong Kong. I was surprised about the different signs and the different languages that were spoken, not really being too much aware that there is a Cantonese and a Mandarin part. Of course, meanwhile, I have learned that, not Cantonese, but Mandarin for sure. And um, this is uh, totally different. If you want to make your career as a foreigner here in China now, um, you need to be able to understand much, much more than just the cultural differences, but also the, um, the, uh, the language uh, to a certain degree. Um, what has also changed, I believe, is the attractiveness of foreign companies um, over their competitors. And I see basically two competitors uh, here, one being the state-owned enterprises and the other one being the private sector. In 2005, I would say um, the attractiveness of the foreign companies was, uh, for many uh, Chinese that were well-educated, very high uh, because there was... Um, not only a different style in leadership, but also great learning opportunity. For some, this may have meant also an opportunity for going abroad. Don't forget, in 2005, not so many Chinese companies had uh, uh, overseas um, uh, dependencies. So 
if you wanted to get a foreign experience, then a foreign company would probably be your almost only gateway, except the diplomatic service or shipping industry in China. And um, also another topic was in 2005, I think uh, we can say that uh, the West had a technological advantage over many sectors in China. So if you wanted to be part of the highest, uh, um, of the newest technology, um, then you were better off uh, being in German companies or in other foreign companies. Meanwhile, if you look at the, um, at the white book of the European Chamber, which is coming out every, every year, which I can only recommend, um, you can see that the innovation power of the Chinese companies has dramatically improved. And uh, some of our member companies say even it's higher than in, in some of our member, member countries. So, um, Mr. Wong has already mentioned uh, the Silicon Valley, and there are some recent books. Uh, one of it um, I read, which is from Wolfgang Hirn, a, pre a previous um, journalist from, from the Manager magazine uh, with the title Shenzhen, um, another one from uh, Frank Zieren, which I have not yet read, but should be the same topic. Yes, <laughs> thank you very much, Patrick, for pointing it up. Yes, absolutely. Wolfgang and I met during the time here and when he was in Shenzhen for, for, this, for the research of this book. And another one is, maybe you don't have that also, Patrick, um, Shenzhen from Frank Zieren. Um, it seems to be out, but I've not yet seen it. I've just seen his advertisements on LinkedIn. So Zieren in this LinkedIn statement makes, point, for example, the point that there are something like 43 unicorns, so over 1 billion um, um, uh, uh, valued, valued companies only in Guangdong and Hong Kong together. And Germany doesn't have so many. So I think this is a big change. So if you want to go to technology, if you think about companies like DJI uh, building drones, if you think about companies like Tencent, you are... Um, seeing now private companies and coming back to that, that means the attractiveness of our European companies for uh, the top end of the, um, of the engineers in China is best case at the same level now, and that was totally different 16 years ago. For the, for the state-owned enterprise, we need to see. Um, we have uh, heard many things about the opening of China, but we have also heard the statements of, um, uh, of uh, Chairman Xi Jinping that the state-owned enterprise have to play a central role in the development of this country. And so also they are catching up. We see how, how this is developing. We see also the private companies get under high pressure now, and some of these unicorns have basically uh, reduced 35% of, the, of their value after after the shutdown, uh, after the after the crackdown that's now happening, but for example, keeping a ten cent uh, going down from seven hundred fifty to now four hundred fifty um, Hong Kong dollar market uh, market price of the share. Um, what does it mean for us? It means for the for the foreign companies, they need to show that uh, this is an attractive place to work in. I am currently hiring again, I have to say, after the, uh, after the one and a half, two years of COVID. And sometimes I meet um, people who have a, have a CV and maybe Xiao uh, can tell us a little bit more about this. We have a CV coming from a, a foreign company first, going to a Chinese private company, and then I asked, why did you not stay there? And they said, well, 
the, uh, the 996, uh, the famous 996, six days uh, per week, nine to morning, nine to evening work, is not what I want anymore. I like the work-life balance in foreign companies better. I like the different geared style of management where I can speak up, where I'm not just being directed and just a resource. And I think that's maybe an opportunity where we can uh, still be very attractive. And as you said before, also people have developed in their lives. Um, uh, in China, I would say there are different phases for each um, uh, for each individual. Uh, Mr. Wong has mentioned you need first to buy a house before you can even think about having a family. And sometimes the house is not affordable anymore in the big cities. I've been to Shanghai, I've been to Shenzhen, and these cities are basically not making it possible for a normal earning employee to buy a house. So these people certainly then buy a house in their hometown. Maybe they don't settle there right away, but when the parents get older, they go back. And um, for many foreign companies with their headquarters in the big cities, that means they may lose these people when they turn about 40, 45. And these people take uh, money back and make their own business in their hometowns or go to some, uh, set up some new companies. So there was a big change in these um, 15 years, and we have to react to that by developing people internally, by uh, opening opportunities, um, by going abroad, which of course in COVID times is almost not possible, but um, these kind of things where there are some um, edges which foreign companies still have, I believe. And maybe we can talk more about this later. Okay, um, thank you very much, Stefan, for yeah, sharing your experiences and uh, yeah, the learnings and yeah. I learned that attractiveness is a big topic for uh, multinational companies in, in China, but there are also some, uh, just currently some legal and tax changes happen, which uh, is a big topic for uh, multinational companies and one of the biggest uh, mysteries <laughs> is the individual income tax for uh, expats. And, um, Xiao just uh, recently wrote an article about the effect of individual income tax uh, for HR strategies in China. Uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your uh, key learnings on, on that, Xiao, before we go more into uh, uh, identification of terms later. Yeah, thanks, Jochen. Also from my side, uh, hello, welcome, and good afternoon. I'm here in Shanghai. Good to see you there. Also, I'm very, uh, thank you for having me here. Yeah, Jochen, you mentioned it correctly. It's definitely one of the hottest topics uh, since I think when the, the, this uh, topic actually came up uh, earlier in spring this year. Um, I wouldn't call it uh, the key learnings. I would say the key ramifications. So what is going to happen? Um, at the end of the day, the current IIT regulation that uh, provides, particularly for, for foreign uh, workers, foreign employees, some legal tax-optimized income models you know, uh, will expire by the end of uh, 2021. So we can say that starting from, from next year that foreigners and Chinese will be treated equally under the Chinese IIT law. Um, for the government, of course, it has a nice side effect. They will collect more and more taxes, right, and uh, probably also necessary due to COVID. It uh, was very costly. So means from, yeah, legal tax optimized income models, what does it mean? People who have been in China, they know that uh, um, tuition fee as well as housing, so rent is one of the key um, cost factors in China. If you live in Shanghai, for example, 
you live with a household of uh, four people, um, you can easily expect to pay a rent of 25,000 per month. Yeah? Tuition fee also depends on the international schools or the fee you pay for the uh, international schools because uh, for many foreigners, understandably, the local schools are not a really valid option for them. So they only have the option to send their kids to the international schools. It could be uh, expenses in the amount of 150, 200,000 uh, per year. So this was, uh, this was taken into account when, when foreigners used to negotiate about their package, when uh, companies were sending them over to China, that the company says, okay, good, we are going to cover these costs. Uh, besides that, you will receive your, 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 your salary. Now, starting from next year, these tax, I call it tax optimized income models will no longer be possible means that money or these expenses which a current company is covering right now will be subjected to taxation under the Chinese IIT law. And this, of course, has uh, some, some significant ramifications. So the tax burden, the tax levy will increase, making it more expensive to hire or retain foreigners under the same conditions, right? So I, in my article, I gave one example. The cost for a company could increase at least uh, by 34%. If the company is not willing to cover these extra tax burden, this would mean for for a manager who earns a million RMB uh, per per year, has two kids in this in this uh, in Shanghai school, means that they might this might uh, will reduce his his net salary by roughly 19, 20 percent, which is quite significant. So people will of course also ask themselves, is it worth for me to to stay here? Yeah, so this is um, definitely something I've got a lot of phone calls from companies as well as from from foreign uh, foreigners who are who work here in China. Uh, it creates, of course, a certain uncertainty. So what are the ramifications? Ramifications basically are that there are going to be less opportunities for foreigners, right? This will basically reinforce the local HR strategy to localize personnel, right? So so this is uh, foreign workers will become, I would say, a less attractive option for, for companies here in China. So again, instead, they will prefer to, to hire qualified local personnel, which you have in, in, in tier one cities like uh, Shanghai or Beijing, where a big, uh, a big influx of talented people, talented Chinese from good universities from uh, over, who come back from, from overseas, from their overseas study. Yeah, so we have uh, options, uh, or they have options here in, in these tier one cities. It looks a little bit different perhaps in those uh, more remote areas where I definitely see also more opportunities for, for experts, or maybe they have to consider this as an op option. Yeah. Another ramification will definitely, regarding the HR strategy, that companies will increase their efforts to, in, in developing their local employees who, who should and probably will take over the positions that are currently held by foreigners. So foreign employees who have a job, they probably also need to uh, be, be um, yeah, ready that their, their, their tenure, their, their stints will be shorter in the company. So while they are employed, probably the company is already developing a local successor of this person. Yeah, these are significant ramifications um, still. We need to wait until the official announcements uh, by the authorities, right? So as it's very common in China, certain changes or amendments in, the, in, in laws, uh, or, um, they will be announced probably a week 
before for the, the starting date of the, or when the, 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 when the law will be in, in effect. So therefore, we need to, on the one hand, be vigilant and uh, I wouldn't say relaxed, but be prepared. Be prepared. Normally, I would say be prepared, uh, prepare the worst case scenario, discuss with the company who's going to take care. Is this the company going to cover the extra costs or partially perhaps also? Um, and this is something I would uh, recommend you, you to do. Okay, thanks a lot, Joe. Um, being prepared, yeah, being prepared to whatever happens. And um, I think the, the the laws already give some hints uh, where it could go to. And yeah, May, um, so you're working closely with multinational companies in China um, on their talent development program. So how can, um, yeah, this. Uh, Training qualification help to for being prepared, and uh, are there any changes you see? And which role does talent development play today? Is it only for being uh, being prepared or more? Okay, thank you, Irfan, for your question, and uh, good morning, afternoon to all of you who is here with us. I'm Danny from Beijing, and as you introduced, so I have uh, many years working experience in Beijing, and also I study in Ireland, so I have uh, quite a both set of perceptions. So as an employee along the way, and over the last, uh, let's say, 12 years working experience with many uh, expatriates from different countries, and I really <laughs> witnessed some successful and also struggling moments and stories. And I could summarize some rules and deep thinking. So on, on other hand, now I have my own consulting company, and I work with a different type of uh, um, customers in China, multinationals and domestics. So mainly help them to with their leadership and the talent development grant. And so through that. Uh, I have the pleasure and opportunities to participate and learn and observe the change or trend about the people development in China. So that's why I'm here today. And uh, hopefully so my experience, observations and ideas that can really contribute and fit into your situation as well. Um, so I do have some observations um, well closely with uh, my clients in China. So um, and I totally agree with what uh, Xiao just uh, said. You know, uh, I can see the transition. So in the past, the multinational company, they are heavily relying on the uh, expatriates from outside. But now they put a lot of time and effort to develop, um, develop the local talent. Um, and this is, um, I, you may already heard this in China. So in the last few years, the term of China speed has become very hot and topic, um, I mean, a popular topic. And this is also uh, visible in Thailand development areas. So the awareness of motivation of setting up internal uh, or local Thailand uh, pipeline and identify the local potentials internally and this increased rapidly and a lot of actions has been taken as a result. So uh, I would say it's a very positive sign to see uh, because in the long term companies can really benefit from it 
and to guarantee the sustainable growth of the organization. And in addition, uh, each company has different uh, characters and the culture, just like persons. So in order struggling to find the suitable candidates from outside only, another solution has been discussed is to develop and promote their own talents internally and locally because it's just the more uh, cost efficient and also a good way to fit in quickly. And a big this is also a big uh, encouragement and motivation for the employees locally because they can see their future in the company. Um, however, so please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying companies should not recruit from outside of society. In contrast, so uh, they need to work on both to have more options, especially for some high technical roles. Um, but having a high quality, um, I mean, local talent pool, it's a very reassuring and also can help to relieve a great degree of an anxiety about Thailand scarcity. You can. So thanks a lot, Ray. Um, I think um, maybe I bring in another finding on our survey now, which uh, goes in the same direction is the, the topic of localization of um, their stuff. Or, well, on the other hand, um, uh, no, the um, Xiao also mentioned that it's, uh, there are less, oppor less opportunities for foreigners now, but I also see that uh, less Western potentials because of this and different reasons are being interested in getting incentives to work in China. This is um, also an effect. So in the survey of um, the CNBW, the participants from German companies raised the question to what extent can the Chinese organization be localized? Um, I think we will look into the uh, identification uh, in a second. Before, um, I would like to raise a question on a proposal what they had is to train the Chinese managers in Germany and send them back to China uh, when they finished. So this is what German um, decision makers in Germany uh, think and say. We know the borders are closed. Um, it's not that easy to get um, the people uh, traveling. Um, so, Changwei, you just mentioned this. Um, do you still recommend to do so? Um, or what are other um, opportunities or what do you see with the clients? Um, yeah, because um, the locals are supposed to work for a German company or European company, so they also need to understand the, the rules, um, the culture, etc. So how this, can this be done? <laughs> um, thanks, Johan. Uh, yes and no. Uh, it's like a, it's a common saying, the best way to solve the problem, just ignore the problem. <laughs> um, so. Um, but I think that's only can be part of the solution because we need to have different people or talent for dealing different things and to wider the pool, but not to narrow it down. So we talk about the diversity all the time in training and in coaching, and we all know it. It's more healthier uh, to the growth of organization, especially for if you are going uh, globally. So in addition to... Um, uh, let's say a macro environment, which most companies cannot influence or change too much, but we still uh, can seek the ways to improve this situation. Uh, for instance, 
to build a bridge uh, for better understanding of each other, especially to select the suitable candidates who are open-minded and willing to learn and accept the different cultures and challenges and provide sufficient support to them at the same time. So I have a client in Beijing, uh, which headquarters in the U.S. So many executives are also sent from different countries. But most of them could uh, perform and fit in very well. And for instance, um, they will proactively to learn the local language and make connection with the local people. And they even dress up for traditional festivals and uh, try some local food with their local colleagues. Um, and in the end of the day, they also gain a lot, actually, beside their professional works. I mean, before they go back to their own country. So I would say uh, that mainly um, it's employers' responsibilities um, to choose the suitable candidates uh, in the beginning and not only look at the skill side, but also the mindset part, and then create a positive environment and atmosphere, provide some necessary trainings or coachings to support uh, them go further. So, and also to guide them to see the benefit via this transition, but not only focus on the downside. So, but this picture, I, I believe, need to provide it by employees mainly. Johan. Okay, thank you very much. So, Stefan, um, you heard what 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 uh, Ray sees from her clients, and uh, also like um, the selection process now. I think could be a topic. You just said you just you hiring hiring again. Um, so, how does your company handle all the situation you just heard and you do? Yeah, I mean, actually, that's uh, that's a topic. Um, as most, uh, I would say, most uh, bigger companies um, have, for example, a matrix organization. Um, in these cases, uh, the local manager and uh, the functional manager, let's say, a quality manager or a finance manager, would like to make this decision basically together. And for important com companies, um, uh, like for many companies, the Chinese uh, um, company is a big one um, that is a very important position. The finance director of China or the quality director of China is an important position. And people come over, I see Charles nodding. Um, and now this is not really anymore uh, an opportunity. There's no, there's no chance to have um, uh, this together. There is uh, certainly, we have all learned and we're doing it also now, um, the use of uh, electronic media for this. But you do not see the language, the body language. You do not see how a person is entering the factory. Whether he looks at the factory floor with a uh, with a grin or an arrogant face, the people will only see what's on the on the screen, and that is sometimes not enough to make the right decision. And I think um, there the headhunters come in very handy for a company who is in in, in Germany. There is a second person, maybe then as the extended arm. Um, we are we are not doing that uh, too much at the moment. Luckily, our central uh, key positions are um, are um, stable. Uh, however, for some junior positions, um, we need to hire. And then comes the point what Zhang uh, Wei just said um, to develop a person. Um, so something what would you could call a talent pool. That's also an important position because that's an, that's a come that's a person we want to invest into, and if that uh, person is selected by the by the headquarter together, it's much it's much easier. Foreigners, 
is not an option for us at the moment. Even I'm in Shenzhen, we have a couple of people in Hong Kong. Um, like me, most of them have not had the chance to go back. Because going to Hong Kong means you have three weeks uh, to stay in quarantine, um, sometimes even on both sides. That's not very effective. So if you're a foreigner, you are really locked into the country. I mean, um, we see some people who are traveling back and forth, but um, that is really uh, missing three weeks. Uh, if you do that two times in a year, it's six weeks on top of, um, of the break that people take in, in Europe. That's, that's, really, that's really a lot. We are hiring by Zoom, we are hiring, or more by Teams also, we are hiring by um, personal interviews, people come to us. Um, I'm not going to hire at the moment a Chinese person that I've not seen myself, so I'm not doing this um, even when there was uh, the problem that people could not come even from Zhongshan or Foshan to Shenzhen because either in one city or the other city there was a problem, then I'm waiting, and I'm rather waiting than making a hiring mistake. Um, and um, still, I hope that's temporary. But uh, for uh, foreigners, we have talked about the IIT topic, where, um, Xiao, you seem to be optimistic that something is changing there. I think for, for people um, in Guangdong area, there is an opportunity. Rong Xiang uh, mentioned that um, with the Greater Bay Area trying to uh, to attract uh, people on both sides, both in Hong Kong and in, 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 um, in Guangdong. Um, there is a special arrangement that they, many cities uh, do the subsidies, and um, that makes up a little bit of this problem. But in Shanghai and Beijing, I've not heard about anything about that. Shanghai actually even made it a little bit worse by adding the uh, compulsory um, medical insurances now. So there go another 3,000 uh, RMB net for the uh, people that have not um, voted in so far. So it's getting more difficult for the foreigners, that's definitely what we can say. And for foreigners that have been here alone, where they cannot make a reunification with their, with their families due to restrictions of visa, that's even a much more uh, difficult burden. And I think um, that makes the need for... Uh, having a plan B, which was mentioned by Jiang Wei, maybe not only the only plan, but at least a plan B for having more Chinese um, uh, local in the in the leading positions um, uh, mandatory. Yes, I believe so. Okay, thank you very much. So, Xiao, I would like to hand over to you now. You were um, yeah mentioned quite a, a few times. So, uh, what does a recruitment consultant recommend? So, does it may, maybe make sense to get the support by the external professional as you are, as an example, and is there an added value? <laughs> your um, tone is, um, you need to switch on your microphone. <laughs> I would immediately say yes, but it's not going to be a sales pitch right now. So, um, it, well, let's put it this way. Let's, let's see what are the challenges for, for the companies when they hire their future leaders. I would say there are Three main challenges, uh, the, um, on the one hand, of course, to identify what are the, the right leaders. You know? So, so it means that you also need to understand uh, what is leadership in China, for example, what is leadership in a European company in, in Europe. Yeah? Um, I realized that, um, yeah, according to my experience, that some companies or a lot of companies, they are too much focusing on, on the hard skills. They say, okay, he has relevant experience, he has the qualification, he does present or he or she does present herself uh, very nicely can communicate clearly so that's it 
But what they neglect from my point of view is uh, people skills and what the way set correctly, the mindset. Because um, if you work as a foreigner in China, for example, you, uh, or even if you speak Chinese, right, uh, you, you still uh, they, they have a language barrier. You will have problems to obtain reliable uh, uh, information to make a decision. As a leader, you're supposed to make decisions. So for this, you need to connect with the people. So people skills, if we talk about leadership, we talk about guiding, we talk about influencing, inspiring people, right? And these are all people people skills. It means that we need people, we really need to, to uh, also take uh, people skills under consideration. This is something which, what I believe comes short in many, many cases when you choose leaders. So what is our role? What can we do? First of all, of course, um, to help uh, our clients to identify the what is what the, the relevant requirements for the leader. I mean, you can imagine that a leader in a startup company is different from a leader in a bank, right? A leader in a startup company, he must be creative, innovative, open for changes. People in a bank would be scared if their leader always comes up with new ideas, with, with uh, innovative ideas, right? So we need to understand also the situation of the company. So our job is then to... to define really the relevant uh, requirements for, for, for the leaders. Um, the next thing, and this is probably the most challenging part, to assess the, the, the people skills, to assess these, these soft skills, right? And for this, you need to really take time to sit down. I mean, for a um, top executive who's very busy, he hardly has the time and has, doesn't have the resources either to really sit down with a candidate for two, three hours and then talk about uh, everything, his view on, on his values, his, his value proposition, as well as uh, yeah, 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 what he's, what is, what this person attaches importance to. So this is also our our job to really assess, to do a comprehensive assessment. How to do that? Of course, we we let the, the candidates uh, describe this similar situations in the past. Uh, we raise case studies as well. We test them as well, and then sometimes and we also include, uh, as a second opinion, we include a personality test, for example, right? So this is the second challenge. So the first one, again, to identify the, or define the, the relevant requirements. Second one, to really assess whether the person has the necessary, skill, necessary skills to become a successful leader here. And finally, also uh, a, a point which has been neglected or is neglected here in China, it's a highly competitive labor market, means everybody is basically fishing in the same pond for the same fish. Um, so the biggest, one of the biggest challenges really also to win these talents for your organization. So why should they join your company? Only because you it's like a marriage. It doesn't, it, uh, it doesn't help you if you love somebody, but he, you, you don't find the same love in the other person. So here we also support uh, our clients to really make sure that uh, we have uh, qualified candidates with the right motivation, with the right mindset and skills who are also willing to join the company. Okay, thank you very much, um, uh, Xiao. Um, looking on, on, on the time, so, uh, yeah, we are already close to the end, but um, I would like to um, invite the um, audience to, to raise questions in person. I, th um, I, I will check the in a second um, just getting prepared um, before this I would like to, to ask Jiang uh, Rong so you heard quite a few topics quite a few challenges and um, things also on localization so how can Foshan or a city in general can support uh, companies with these challenges yeah 
um, from our guest, I have also learned a lot that uh, the situation in other cities like Beijing and Shanghai. Um, I think that at the moment, just like Stefan said, the, the challenge is becoming uh, larger and larger. In the past, if you're a foreigner, you have skills, you are good, educated, and you would be admired by the Chinese citizens. And nowadays, uh, because the Chinese economy is developing into the second position into the world, and uh, there is a kind of ambition and uh, feeling among the citizens. So they will not uh, say easily that uh, if you have the skill, you are from Harvard University, then you certainly have a good chance to have a job. The HR, like uh, Ms. Sun and the other uh, has already said, that you must make a comprehensive and uh, test, access test about this person. So everybody has the same challenge, I think. Uh, this is even, yeah, amplified with the pandemic negative effect. Finally, many people are fighting into a very narrow door. In the, in the city, for some, I said that in the past, we, we keep many things lower. Uh, I think the good effort is that the people around Bosan has understood, okay, there is the last place in Great Bay Area. Uh, we can still make some reasonable production, and so they move to us. Now, uh, we see that also the new leaders, in the, the new government leaders from, from Bosan is uh, because they come from Shenzhen. Uh, they want to repeat the successful ways in Shenzhen to higher the immobilium price to give the Fosan uh, budget uh, a help. If this is the right way, I do not know that, but the Fosan industry field would like to say that we are 90% private sectors. So Fosan's business model is very familiar, very similar to the foreign business models. There were very less, very little group in the state-owned enterprise, there were about 5%. In Fosan, it is not a kind of happy thing if you say, I work for China Telecom or China Petrol. But it is a kind of uh, and proud thing if you say, I work for Media and Country Garden, uh, something like that. We have, apart from Media and Country Garden, another 39 companies, private companies, which has a turnover over 10 billion RMB. So that's the main role model in Posan. People want to make everything just according to the uh, business regulation, not to the administration help. So um, some people even say that if Posan succeeds, then the Chinese private sector will succeed. If this is not the case, then we have returned back to the state-owned enterprise domination. If that is good for the dynamic of the, of the industry. According to this basic understanding, the Wilson government has made a lot of uh, arrangements to help the, the companies and also the leaders for they are uh, finally what they can benefit from it. For the companies, when they come to Wilson, we have a package to help them. The package is uh, the ground line that you will feel the support in Wilson is reasonable, feasible, you can you can get it. And apart from that, we have one company, one policy. That is something that uh, not very common in the other cities. 
That means if you have a company um, to you come to Boston, even if you are just a Chinese company in the innovation area, you come to Boston and we can also make a specialized measurement to support you. So that's why Boston has uh, jumped over the one trillion mark into the 17 biggest cities in China, and also at the same time with a very strong private sector. Among the other 16, like Peking, Shanghai, you don't have this situation. So we want to support it in the right way, just the normal market economy will do that to the other companies. So finally, you will feel very comfortable because this measurement is exactly that what you need according to your nature character. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, Zhang. Um, uh, I really learned uh, Foshan is a very attractive city. So, and we there are nearly ten minutes left. So, I would like to open the the, the floor to the audience to to raise your questions directly to the experts. Um, I didn't see any question in the chat yet, uh, except I missed one. So, there was a comment which was already answered by Stefan. Thanks a lot. Um, so, are there any questions from the audience? Yes, Patrick. No, Patrick. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, so my company, we have a branch office in uh, Shanghai as well. And uh, my question is, assuming you have uh, a small or medium-sized company in China, maybe 20 to 100 people, and you want to decide who will lead this um, office or lead this company, will it be a Chinese person or should it be a foreigner? Or... This is an idea that I recently heard from a German uh, general manager from Dalian. He said, we have a dual leadership team. We have a Chinese leader and a foreign leader at the same hierarchical level. Or is it possible to have a Chinese branch office entirely localized, 100% Chinese employees? Maybe the people with more experience in China can give me some um, advice here. <laughs> so Stefan already raised a hand. <laughs> you uh, you need to turn on your microphone, Stefan. Yeah, sorry. Uh, thank you, Jochen, for reminding. Yeah, I think I think that's a very interesting question, Patrick. Um, actually, this happened uh, in um, I will call it the fourth joint ventures. So you might know. I'm not sure from which industry you come. I used to work also in the automotive industry and was supplier to. Volkswagen, and I cannot actually say Volkswagen, I should say either Shanghai Volkswagen or FAW Volkswagen. These companies have systematically Chinese and um, uh, German leaders in a, uh, as you said it, in a really parallel way. Uh, sometimes even the whole organization is, is duplicated. If you ask me, uh, it, it doubles the cost and it reduces the speed. So um, you will have all the cost in a, with it, but you do not have, except this is a perfect uh, tandem, which I've seen also, but this is the exception. Um, um, this will slow down things because uh, the organization is confused to whom to follow. You might have uh, um, uh, a situation where you basically split the organization. One is following the German manager, one is following the Chinese manager. 
I would not advise that if you ask my opinion. But that was just uh, two thoughts I wanted to give in, but maybe uh, the other experts have some other opinion. Uh, yeah, I also want to pick up uh, Patrick's uh, question, very good question, basically. If let's first, uh, about the dual leadership, I'm not a big friend of a dual leadership in China. Um, I've experienced quite some companies with a similar setup, so at the end of the day, from I, I understand the, the idea to have uh, two, two guys to co-lead a company to, to, to support each other, but as a matter of fact, uh, in reality, it turns out in many cases that it's a, a counterproductive uh, set up where one of the or both guys try to be to show that they are the real leaders, right? So it's more like they're competing than working together. Um, the question whether you can um, can rely on a hundred percent local organization for me again. I know I know that what what this question implies actually. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, we should not care about the nationality. It's about people, right? We need to talk about the skills. What Wei just said, the skills and the right mindset. We have to take into consideration what are the challenges to work in the let's say cross cultural uh, working environment. You know, uh, I get uh, if I talk to Chinese leaders, they say, Ah, Germany doesn't trust us. Yeah. What uh, if you talk to the headquarters, they say, Huh. They're not transparent. We cannot trust them, trust them, right? So we need those cultural hybrid, to use your word, Johan, or my word, whatever, um, who can basically create this platform of trust. And what does it mean? How do you create platform, uh, trust, a, really, a trustful relationship with Germany or to, to Switzerland? You need to be transparent. You need to uh, yeah, communicate effectively with the company. But for the local organization means, in China in, in particular, what is important for the Chinese? What do Chinese employees value? They value relationship. They value um, that you achieve goals as a team. They value that you develop people. They value that you care for them, right? So we need the person who understands how to create trust on both sides. Yeah, wait. Yeah, hi Patrick. <laughs> For answering your question, I also want to contribute some. So first, I have to agree with Xiao again. Uh, what he just said. Um, I, I think that would be very dangerous if you get one single answer uh, directly because there's no one. And I think uh, they, just to forget about nationalities, I think uh, down to the earth, uh, we, in China, yes, we, we really value guanxi. If you heard this in Chinese, guanxi, relationship, that's very important. So before you do anything else, so this person must can accept our local culture and respect employees or team members who work with them and uh, then uh, create a good um, environment and atmosphere with the team. So if this person is available to do this, it doesn't matter German or uh, what kind of nationalities, so it can work. So firstly, I would suggest just um, evaluate this um, in person. So don't think too much and then you will know more. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your advice. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, there's time for final question uh, from the audience. So please take the opportunity to, to raise it to the experts here. Okay. So no, no, no question at the moment. Uh, I hope this is a good time. So maybe I have to find, ah, Dr. Um, Tun Tunis, um, I hope I pronounce it well. Please ask.
Dr. Tonis, uh, I think you need to switch on your uh, microphone if you want to raise a question. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, I'm sorry. Um, um, yes, I, I fully agree uh, because of this uh, trust. Um, but this trust is something has to do also with the cultures. If we are going to uh, have a leadership in a joint venture 50-50, there are interests of the both sides. And it's not easy uh, to align these uh, with the with the, with the uh, this is leadership or the other leadership. So it means um, um, it is more theory, I would say. I'm so sorry. Uh, because of my the last 35 years experience uh, in management, I can say the only one thing is, uh, um, uh, of course, the best person should be the leader. There's no doubt. Uh, but these leaders should be also able uh, to, to gain the trust of the other side. And this is not easy. Cultural aspects are there, and very different cultural aspects. This is also my experience of the last uh, 12, 13 years in China, and we have we have to trust each other. This is important. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, maybe one sentence from my side. I absolutely yes. agree what uh, was just said, and I can only add one sentence. Um, trust um, people only trust people they know means that as a leader, you have to spend time to get to know your people and the people get to know you. Yes, I fully agree. Yes. Okay, thank you very much. So the time is uh, yeah, nearly gone, but um, I don't want to take the time uh, for asking the experts for a very short final statement on what, uh, how you define a future leader in China and what he needs to be attractive. Um, before I hand over to Neville, so there are only a few minutes left. So please uh, have a quick, yeah, quick statement, please. <laughs> Ciao. Do you want to start? Yeah. Okay. Without repeating what what is or has already been said, I would say uh, future leaders should be prepared. They must understand and prepare for for future challenges in leadership. Uh, as a, as a keyword, I would say VUCA, so volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous um, changing environment. Right. They they need to be um, yeah involved. Or I like the mentorship program some companies use. Yeah, to involve them in decision making, but also test them and also give them feedback. In Germany, we have the training program where you rotate between different departments. You learn not only knowledge and get a broader view of the company's uh, operations and challenges, but also you can develop relationship with the colleagues. And this leads us back to the, to the trust issue. But again, um, prepare the leaders for, for the changing world, for the future challenges of a changing world. Thanks. The next one. Quickly. Okay, may I? Yes. Okay, so as what I repeated already, so in my statement even, I mentioned this, so future leaders need to think how to find a constant in this changing world. So I would think don't worry of changing because change is not a scary thing. And I also believe the underlying abilities uh, for example, like uh, curiosity, learning agility, and strategic thinking, and also being a lifelong learner. These underlying abilities will be, because they are more stable and reliable, even in the changing world. And it also can be easily transferred and shaped 
into any changing situation, just like uh, mathematics in the basis of mathematics. Okay, thank you, Ray. Jung, or the longer it takes, the more it gets difficult not to repeat things that have been said before. Um, I, I totally agree with uh, what was said by Xiao and Ray just now. Um, flexibility is extremely important. Uh, the learning ability and willingness and ability is, I think, for the for the foreigners in China, um, very important. I think um, at the beginning, uh, people came here, and um, uh, Mr. Wong made it very clear uh, there was a kind of admiration from uh, the Chinese. I can learn so much, and that led to many of uh, foreigners. I've seen this also to the feeling I get always a yes to my proposals. I get always a positive comment on what I'm saying, so I must be the smartest person in this room. Unfortunately, that's not true in most cases. It's just a question of not understanding the culture. It's, not a, it's a question of not questioning yourself. And I think a leader in China needs to be very self-critical. I think that's a word that we didn't have yet. Self-critical in understanding that being praised or having a smile on the face of a Chinese counterpart does not make uh, up for real agreement. You need to work on your understanding as a foreigner. And the other thing is also true. Um, if a Chinese leader um, does uh, not get um, a feedback or does not get a question from the headquarters, it does not mean that everything is fine or that there is a hidden agenda by not answering an email. So, for example, I tell my people always, if I'm not answering an email within 24 hours or within one working day, do not expect that this is a no. It may just mean that I have overlooked this email for whatever reason. And these kind of things, uh, after you make some mistakes, you learn them. And this is what Wei just said, lifelong learning is very important. And then I think another topic is resilience, because you need to fight with both, with both sides, with the... Uh, Chinese environment sometimes, which is totally different of what you are used from Europe, uh, and you need to fight with your headquarters to make them understand what um, the um, Chinese way of dealing with things is, and that that might not mean that a contract that you have closed with somebody is more than just the starting for the next agreement. The, the headquarter, the teaching of the headquarter, is uh, something which uh, is sometimes very, very painful and uh, requires a lot of resilience and not giving up on, or they don't understand us, it does not help. Make them, um, give them a chance to understand. And, and then maybe making, making a link to, to, uh, to Foshan, fighting uh, in martial arts does not mean you beat hard, it means you need to use the energy of the other side. And I think that's probably something, I'm not very good at martial arts, my body is not perfect for that, so, um, but uh, that's what I would like to have to have learned here, but I didn't, so I think that would be something for leaders in China to understand martial arts and use the strengths of the other side. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Jan, do you want to add anything? So very, very sharp and uh, short. And if Wei wants to say something, I would give the chance to her. No, thank you. <laughs> okay. So my statement is that uh, we see that no matter from which nationality and uh, which kind of age, and uh, as long as we all exist in this planet Earth, 
we are engaged ourselves, we engaged ourselves with so many two things, this career and life. So I think um, the challenge will become more and more uh, unfriendly to us. So if you want to realize a good combination of career and life, then I think Fosan is, according to my experience, a very good alternative place. Uh, I said that because I'm, I myself, I convinced that I have already lived my half lifetime in the, in the, in this uh, in this region, and uh, there is a good culture. The people are very easy to handle. With. They have uh, world and standings, and they are friendly, and they do not want to take anything from a newcomer, and they do not discriminate of a newcomer. This is the way they treated people for over 2,000 years. Even one-third Hong Kong successful people are coming from Fosan. You remember the three leaders, they have three different fighting skills, and they give that further to the other people. And industry, of course, you can find the gateway here into the Chinese market and also into the Vietnam and the other place. So combining the career and the life, I think, that is already worth to try it. We just need trust for some. And if you want to trust one, just like Xiao said, you must know for some. So I welcome you all come to Forza anytime if you want. Just get in touch with me. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, then I thank you. I thank all the experts uh, joining this um, interesting um, um, webinar. As, as we saw, there are still a lot of questions we could discuss. Unfortunately, the time is gone, so we are over time. Sorry for this. And um, thank you very much for joining the webinar. So thank you to the audience. And it was, I really enjoyed it. And um, I think you already saw from Neville, I'm handing over to him in a second. Um, you will see the QR codes from all of us. So when you have additional questions to us, please feel free to scan them and get in touch with us directly afterwards. And yeah, please never. Okay, thanks, Johan, um, for a very wide-ranging and informative discussion. Uh, you've already mentioned the QR code, so let me just bring those up. Here we are. You see those? So if anyone wants to get in touch with the speakers directly, they can scan the QR code now. Or you can also contact on LinkedIn or WhatsApp. I think uh, Chiang Rong doesn't have a LinkedIn account, so I think you should either scan him now on WhatsApp or WeChat. Um, I'd also like to introduce another informative China team venture, the China Hot Pod podcast, hosted by Xiaolong Hu, where he discusses topics in depth with experts in Germany and China providing tailor-made solutions. The podcast is in German, so for German speakers, it should be um, a must listen to. And finally, the... Next, let's just uh, wrap up here. The, um, sorry, the next um, webinar is scheduled for the 16th of September. Uh, that's just under a month. And it's titled, How to Design Powerful Products for the Chinese Market. 
So I suggest, you know, you pencil that into your calendars. And with that, we'll bring the webinar to a close. I uh, wish you all a good end of the week and weekend. So bye from China team. Okay, bye-bye. This podcast is made in partnership between China Team and Asia Biz Stories.